Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Good, and joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Adam Lawson. Adam, how you doing? Hey, how are you, Jimmy? Good, good, good to be on the show. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And for some people who might not know Adam, Adam has been doing quite a lot of stuff. You guys might know him from the YouTube series Escape the Night, or maybe Spell Slingers, or maybe Tabletop. He's a director, a writer. He kind of produces. You're kind of a man of many talents over there. But, you know, today we're going to be talking about something very specific. We're going to get to it in a moment. But Adam, I want to like get into who you are to start off, because here at Critical Reviews, we like to talk about just all the stuff we love, movies, games, TV, theme parks, music, all that stuff. So like, what are, what are your favorite things that come to mind when it comes to media? Like, what is that stuff that's inspired you? Yeah, I mean, when I think, you know, my very first recollections of like, what inspired me in regards to, uh, to cinema, you know, I you know I think what my, my earliest recollection what I wanted to be was a marine when I was you know in the second grade, right? And then in the fourth grade, um, my next door neighbor who uh, is an amazing dude, he said, "Hey, there's this book called Dragons of the Autumn Twilight, and it's by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, and it's this called the Dragonlance Chronicles." <clears throat> and uh, I read this book, and my whole life came alive with this with this fantasy novel and you know it's a it's kind of a a, a sappy you know fantasy tale um but it, i came to life in a, in a way in a way that, that my whole life sort of pivoted at that point of like um of like oh i get this magic of make-believe and fantasy and storytelling and i would sit in my room and i would read the, those books and i would sometimes read a scene and then act it out in my mind afterwards and <clears throat> emphasize certain emotion or add dialogue to it and and then and then after that we started playing dungeons and dragons so maybe there's a big thank you to, to gary gygax um <clears throat> so we started playing dungeons and dragons which then furthered that um love of fantasy and storytelling and make believe um and so that that began like the next segue and i think the, the you know the this next discovery of that was i did theater starting in the eighth grade i did lots and lots and lots of plays and also at that time i was getting into comic books nice. um and my role-playing game universe was expanding <clears throat> and I, I think you know you know the journey was like, like i think the first comic book that i i think on that i can remember that hit me the most was Chris Claremont and Jim Lee's uh, Wolverine uh, X Men, sorry, and um, <clears throat> I just think of his his character in that so much. But that I, I remember reading those books and seeing Jim Lee's art, you know, um, and it was it made it more come to life even more, right? Because he may he took him from comics from a golden age look to this hyper real. Uh, you know, nothing quite like his pencils. You know, I, I, I still to this day, anytime I see a Jim Lee pencil, or a Jim Lee work, it, it just, it, it hits me. And, um, you know, definitely my art taste have broadened beyond that, but, but I still love it. it, it you know, I, when I think of Hush, uh, when I think of, <clears throat> you know, his collaboration with Jeff Loeb, and I think about his collaboration with Brian Azzarello at different times, it's like, those pencils just have left an impression. So that started to sort of shape my interest in love and art um, as well. And so I kind of had this trifecta going on of role-playing games, theater, and, and comic books, if you will. And, um, and I think I don't give enough credit to this uh, group of role-playing games called White Wolf, um, but they, they have uh, this series of, of games, Mage, The Ascension, Werewolf, Vampire, and those helped shape, I think, maybe my interest in sort of darker tales um um i think i would owe that to them um and then and so and so then that that um and then maybe like novelists along the way right it was you know this series of fantasy novels and then it was stephen king as well i guess i owe a large piece there but then i um and then as i i and i realized you know probably by the time i was 13 or 14, I, I had a, a low probability of becoming a mutant. Maybe 15, it really settled in <laughs> on me because I was like, you know, they developed in puberty. Yeah. So early on, I was like, well, there's a chance maybe, right? You know, and I grew up a very religious kid. And so we would do fasting once a month, right? We would fast and pray or pray. And my fasting and prayer would always be, can I please you know, become a mutant? Yeah. You know, can I gain superpowers? Um, I mean, that prayer went on for you know a couple of years before i realized 
probably not going to happen for me. And then that's when um, that broadened out to writing and the idea of creating stories about fantastical things in a real world. Right. And then, and then I realized, Oh, you, that's the thing you can make a living at. And that's actually the thing that is real um, is playing make believe, not the make believe part. Yeah. And so, um, and so that was kind of the, you know, that was the the journey. And I think, you know, very early on, I was you know, 21, I was directing commercials, local crappy commercials in Utah. And then, you know, moved to Los Angeles 23 and was working in the indie movie scene. And it did a, very, a series of movies. Some of them won Oscars even, um, and I had a really great ride. And at that time I was also, um, you know, like you mentioned sort of a man for all seasons. I was always writing, but I was, you know, first AD, I was a line producer. I was a producer. I really worked again. I produced indie movies. I'd written movies. Um, and, and in fact, one of my, my first kind of, uh, I would say a breakthrough, maybe not to the world because the movie maybe didn't have outrageous success, but a breakthrough for me was I wrote this movie that got retitled later to a, called A Game of Assassins. Um, it's a Lionsgate movie, and I was 28 years old, and I, I wrote this film, and it got sold, and we went and we shot this in China. That's so cool. Um, you're right, and it was um, – I, I, I still have never forgotten the moment of coming to set. You know, In China, when they film, the crew lives at the stage. They have like dorms, oh. and the crew moves in. Wow. So it's um, it's really a special thing, and I, I love the East so much. And I think being there, you know, we speak about China now, and it's kind of tainted with COVID. But um, unfortunately, because I have such a love of, of China, but I remember being there, you know, and, and the crew was all standing in front of the stage. And when I came there, they said, "Hey, what are we going to shoot today?" And this idea of actors saying my words and this this story that was kind of like this survival movie in hell, if you will. Uh, like it, um, it was like I just sort of wept, you know, that I, that that these ideas that I had concocted that were my own, they were not based on anybody else's work. Um, that that they would connect with others, mm-hmm. and that they would work. Um, and so that was really like the sign because I was very good at facilitating and I was, you know, successful at producing. Um, but that was the first, like, that was the first feedback, even though it'd been years and years of like, ah, what you have in your head, other people are interested in and connect with Maybe Not everyone, because maybe no one can do that. But, um, that was really a a pivotal moment for me. Um, and so, and I, and and also, created my love of of the of the east yeah still to this day oh, um, totally oh for sure well my gosh that's that's well that's a really good rundown oh my goodness that's <laughs> that's very detailed i love it okay i have a few questions because i like there's so much in there so let's do basic questions first and then we're gonna get back to china but first question dungeons and dragons i gotta know what's your favorite monster i mean you know i think about when i think about that question of the favorite monster i think there's sort of three that come to me, right? And I, like I think of, of Tiamat as the as the like the, the most cool, like fantastical thing, the five headed dragon, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think of the Terrasque as, as like this legendary 330 hit points, at least back in second edition, and now maybe it has more. Um, um, you know, as the as the ultimate monster of all time. And then maybe and then maybe if I were to say the third thing is, is, is a beholder was the thing that always was like uh, the most mysterious or creepy, you know, the, the floating single eye mm-hmm. with the tentacles and the, and the mouth. Um, so maybe those are the three that I think of. Dang, that's good, man. I always just go back to Owlbear, but then again, I always wanted like an Owlbear pet, but like yes. the DM I would work with, he was like, well, that's like a level seven or whatever monstrosity. And he's like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, but Owlbear is such a cool concept because you got like werewolf and you got like these werebears, but like Owlbear, it's so weird. I, I loved it. Uh, okay. You used to pray for getting mutant powers. I got to know what mutant powers were you hoping for? If any at all, like, was there anything specific that you're like, if I could get this, I'd be set. Yeah. You know, there was lots of negotiating in those <laughs> prayers. There was a lot of negotiating about what I could accept. You know what I mean? I think one of the maybe most common ones was Colossus. If you remember that character from the X-Men. He's amazing. Um, it was the most amazing. Cause I've always felt like, you know, in, 
I, when I was a kid, and, and sometimes I still think it now, um, when I would be in danger or the threat of danger, or I'd go to the dentist and there was a threat of pain, I would imagine I was Colossus and then nothing could hurt me, right? Because I had the Omnium skin and I would be protected. Yes. And so I think maybe that was the one the most because then I could, I wouldn't be able to, I would never have to be afraid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's, that's a great pick. I, I love Colossus because uh, in the first X-Men Legends game that came out a long time ago, I remember playing through that with some buddies and I just, I played Colossus most of the entire time and he was so much fun, which people think he's pretty basic and he is, but he's got such a cool backstory. He's just, you like you said, that kind of Omnium skin, like the ability to kind of get in there and just like do the work. I don't know. He's, he's wonderful. I think he's kind of underrated and I love to see some better representation or more of him in the future films. So here's hoping, right? Yeah, I agree. And he was always the guy that like got taken out quickly in any big fight because yep. he was predominantly stronger than the others. So they were always like, okay, he's taken out and now it's Wolverine and so-and-so. Fight. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's all. Oh, that's so true. Um, now, okay. Jumping back to China. That sounds, that sounds so cool. So, you know, you said getting on there, working with everybody who moved like in, like every, like the, like the cast and the crew living there together. Did you find, you know, because obviously you've worked on other things now, did you find that there was kind of a cohesion there that you don't get in other places because everyone was kind of like forced to be together? Or was it like stressful in different ways? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is, I mean, there isn't a finer work ethic than Chinese work, work ethic um, that I I have yet to really match. I mean, I've shot in Japan as well, and maybe that's the other equal. Oh, cool. Um, And yeah, like Japan has maybe the equal work ethic and also like a aesthetic that you can't really beat. Maybe that's, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a, so that's hard to compete with. Um, And yes, there was a camaraderie because it was like, (laughs) it was like summer camp. And in this summer camp, you made a movie. Yeah. the, so th- there was something really uh, thrilling about that. I mean, like Escape Tonight, there is a, a deep family because we're in it. It's so hard to make that show. It's a 250-person crew. Things are all happening real time. The stress level, I mean, the stress level on that shoot in the few weeks of shooting that are far greater than all the other shoots in the whole year times five. It, it's outside of that because it's so the demand is so high because it's moving real time, the pressure, it's like all the pressure of a live show, but your star is unrehearsed, plus all the pressure of filmmaking <clears throat> and then a really tight time frame because of the YouTuber's availability. So um, so that kind of bonds us in a way and um, in a special way where usually most everyone has a breakdown or two because the pressure's so much, there's lots of crying and, <laughs> and, and screaming, but there is great joy uh, on what we make and maybe sometimes in life you don't know your own limits and you need someone else or something else to push you to them and i think that was the joy of escape the night right is it's like the show you did so that the rest of the year you had something to talk about yeah that's a really good way to put that. I love it. Uh, I've been watching something recently and kind of the motto of that show is like push past your limits. So you saying this right now, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so that's that's really cool. So it sounds like you've worked on some like pretty intense stuff, which is interesting. And now because we've been kind of stuck at home for the most part, it has kind of brought back this other project that you've been working on for a while. And it's funny because we have been in the past on this show, if for people who've been listening for a long time, we've been promoting this thing or we have been for a long time or we did for a while ago. And I was wondering, I was like, oh, because Joran was kind of talking to me about this and he was like, I'm working on yeah. this project and here's kind of the blurb about it. And I remember like reading it. And I was like, this sounds so interesting. And now finally getting to see it. And that is obviously the the comic, The Eighth. Uh, and obviously I want to get into that with you today. And I I was privileged enough. Thank you for letting me read the, uh, the first uh, issue there because I was kind of like going through it. And I was like, wow. Uh, obviously I love Yoren Evers artwork because pretty much all the artwork you see on the channel is Yoren Evers stuff. Uh, but it was so cool to see that. Uh, and then also like get into this really dark and gritty tale that, uh, kind of 
subverted some of the expectations I have as someone who's a big like superhero fan because I was like okay right. like I kind of I'm, I'm sure I'll know where this is gonna go and I didn't and I was like wow uh <laughs> so went in some pretty dark places but the eighth like where where did that come from like it's something you've been working on for a couple of years now right yeah so Yoren and I you know Yoren uh, started doing storyboards for me on season one of Escape the Night <clears throat> and um and I just found him on our art station. I really liked his work. And I liked the way his stuff is has a slight cartoonish element to it, but it's not all the way. Yeah. But it's a cartoonish, but it's also sexy. And the character expressions are really vivid. And the action has such a great feel. And, and so that's when I started talking to Joran about doing it with me. And uh, he said, great, I would love to do it. And... <clears throat> It took, you know, I think the first, you know, the first issue took longer than, than than anything else by virtue of building the color palette because we I took Joran's initial instincts and then we pushed it much farther. He and I spent a lot of time working out the color, so it had that great grittier um, look to it that, that feels a little bit more the, the way the colors work, how they have like the darker and brighter spots in it, so that it felt, uh, I think, just more our tail. So you got these his like slightly cartoonish look in a dark setting with this painterly backgrounds. And so I think it gave you what our story is, right? Which is both violent and vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? That's a great way to put it. You're like, oh, right. Like, oh, here I am. I feel like I know where this is going, but then you don't. And it left hooks you and left hooks you. And it, and it does it, you know, all the way through, <clears throat> all the way through the, the issues. And, um, and so I think there was there's two thoughts I had about that story uh, that really came to me. The, the first one was, <clears throat> the, 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 this, I guess this is where it began. Uh, maybe the very first place it began was having um, seen a lot of bullying when I was young in school. Tragic bullying that resulted in, you know, people's lives ending shorter than they should. Um, and so, um, and people I cared for. And so I think it, it started there. And then the other thought I had when I was, I was watching a Spider-Man film and Spider-Man is great and I love him. Um, but with Spider-Man, he can lift the tank, right? You see him lift the tank in one issue and then you see him punch just a thug, right? And, and he punches the thug with all the energy he's got and knocks him out. But if Spider-Man punched a thug, he, he wouldn't knock him out. Yeah. He'd shatter the skull into a thousand pieces and he'd have killed them. So Marvel in a way lies to you. They, they lie and they say, you can lift a tank and you can punch a guy and there's no consequences. They remove the consequences of what it really means to have strength and power. <clears throat> and that's the, what I consider the, the comic book lie. Sure. Right? Yeah. That, that's that's passed on so that we can kind of keep it friendly and fun. <clears throat> and I, and I thought about that and I thought, you know, what if in this tale, a 16 year old, <clears throat> 17 year old had power that was one is who, who, there's no rule book for how to be a superhero or how to manage that kind of power, especially for a teenager, right? A teenager who's full of lots of emotions and insecurities. And in this case, our character his brother's committed suicide and his mother has not been able to really recover from it. Right. And so he feels like his life is out of control and his brother committed suicide as a result of incessant bullying. Right. And so that kid has a lot of turmoil inside. So when he gets the power to fight back and it's a power that it's not strong, like Schwarzenegger strong, it's strong, like impossible, inhuman, like a machine, He's not going to just knock the guy out and he goes to the, he goes to jail, right? He's going to make decisions because he's not even going to know the consequences and they're going to be terrifying. That's, that's, that's the real story, right? That's the part that they omit in MCU. And I said, well, what if this tale, they didn't, that the consequences of saving the day were real, that the body count really piles up like it really would. Like you plow through New York City with an alien spacecraft and knock over buildings. Oh, we got everybody to safety. But you don't really. Yeah. Thousands of people are actually, the body count is insane. And 
we hide it. So I thought, well, let's let's play it for keeps. Mm-hmm. And so that's what started this tale. Um, and then that you know the titling of the eighth came from uh, ancient Sumerian mythology. I, I think for myself, when I reach for mythologies, I like to go into the past instead of the future. <clears throat> and there's these seven sages that came from the gods that imparted to humans um, the, uh, the intelligence, like the seven various skills, math, reasoning, etc. But then there, what wasn't recorded in history um, was that there was an eighth sage, right? And this sage was actually, um, that mantle was given by this armor. And this sage's job was like a destroying angel, right? The others were to enlighten and the other ones was to cleanse. And so they, you know, in our tale, David and Emma and Atticus find a piece of that armor, right? And I liked that because they didn't find a complete thing. They, they found a piece of it, just like themselves. They only know a piece of who they are. And they're going to then take this journey to find the other pieces of the armor and the other pieces of themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I was going to say, you know, that's, I think that's such an interesting thing because when I was reading that, um, you know, sometimes in these types of comic books, like I can kind of, again, like we said before, I understand where it's going a little bit, but that's not true with this. And then also kind of getting into this mythos, which I'm very unfamiliar with. And I was like, oh, this is something different that I'm not really used to. And maybe this has been covered in other things before, but it's, it was newer to me. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. And you also said that too, because they say like, oh, you know, this is a piece of it because usually in things like this, like your your Venom symbiote, for example, like that is like a full thing when, you know, Peter gets it. It's not like his his left leg is black and he's like, well, and I kick people with this one, it kills people. Like, no, it's like, right. he, you know, it's like a full thing right off the get go. So this is kind of has this um like thought of, OK, we've got a piece of it. I can put it, you know, on my arm. I can put it somewhere else on me and, uh, you know, it's going to change me. But I don't have it where it's like, well, I can just completely cover myself in it and be like max level like right away and that kind of reminds me like it's almost anime style which i appreciate where it's like you gotta you gotta build to get to that power it's not like here's all the power you have possibly and all of your potential is right here it's like no we gotta there's some time here you know until we get back to uh to the real real root of it right yeah right yeah so that's really no i think that's there's an evolution to him in this process of to himself personally and to the power yeah. Okay. So w- were there any inspirations for this for you? Or was this obviously you talked about like your past um, and, and the bullying being a big focus, which I thought was really interesting because sometimes they touch on it in comics and it's really quick. But this one like really focused in on it, which I thought was powerful. You know, I thought right. it was, that was a lot better, more accurate, you know. Right. That it's a it's a haunting thing. And I know some people have said, hey, Adam, you know, this, you know, there's all these sort of dark things happening in this world. And how come parents aren't interceding? And I always actually chuckle and I said, ah, that's somebody who wasn't bullied saying that. Yeah. Right. That's somebody who wasn't abused saying that because they don't realize that for the person in it, there isn't somebody coming to help you. Yeah. So it seems all around you. Um, And I I wanted to create that sensation of their point of view of the world Mm -hmm. um, with it. And I think that, you know, this first issue, you know, really is the rocket ship, right? It's because it sets up the stage of all the, all the broken pieces of these three characters, right? <clears throat> and then you know, the issues that follow, you know, it's them sort of reassembling those pieces and trying to repair them, and and it takes a much different path as it leaves, as they as as uh, as without giving it away, as they journey past this first issue, right? Um, things really change in the way that the story unfolds, and I think that this was about, uh, you know, to give like the initial like. Ah, uh, here's the terrible thing that happened, and now we're going on this journey out to solve it. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, the other thing that I think that's interesting too is you talk about this trio, and usually with groups like this, you have like, all right, you have the main protagonist, they get the powers, and the other ones are kind of hangers on, and they kind of are there for the cause, but they're not really in it as much. But that's not the case, uh, you know. Right. Like we get people who are like not only emotionally, but physically scarred by some things that happen. And like, they're kind of almost developing a persona alongside the main protagonist that is like kind of sinister, (laughs) like, which is really cool because I was like, okay, how are we going to like, like make these characters 
even more than than just kind of the sidekicks and there exactly. clearly is more to it than that which again you don't really get i feel like when you have these um these beginning issues like you kind of just have like the one and they're like all right these are my friends but they don't really know what's going on but no there's like a lot of transparency and a lot of like this affects everybody it doesn't just affect david like there's there's so much more going on here so is there like for those um those friends were those inspired by anyone do you know like people in real life you're like you've gone through things with me (laughs) yeah you know it's funny you say that because um yeah those two friends atticus and um emma right so they you know like you're saying their their journeys become quite complicated equally as rich and complicated as david's and the things that they develop and are very different and but they all are all have the same sort of evolution going on from different sides. And uh, I would say that, you know, Emma, it's interesting. I, back in the day, I produced a music video for a band called the sick puppies. I, I produced a few music, music videos. For oh yeah. And, and the, um, the bass guitarist is a girl named Emma Onzai. And she's a, a Japanese mixed girl from Australia. And I, I think in making this um the second video i made for them you know i think it's ever since i saw her in that video and sort of the the, the feeling that she captured I, I wanted to put it into a character and so emma doesn't emma onzai doesn't know this about emma adachi in the comic book that that is you know, a bit of a reflection of her and um and if and if and if her I guess who I imagined her on camera person to be, right? She's really a lovely person, but <clears throat> right. And then <clears throat> um, Atticus, um, uh, I had a, a very good friend. His name's Isaac Apia from Ghana, a religious man, um, and um, you know he's first generation here, and he's had uh, his children here, and his wife's a doctor, and and, uh, and I thought, you know, what would Isaac's son be like, right? And um growing up with that with that kind of a background and those kind of a values put into this place where Emma has kind of been you know, grown up so to speak more on the streets and then him with the more structured values and then David in the middle. Um and so um that's that's what that's how they became to be. Um and I knew I wanted three characters to lead this story and I knew I wanted them to surprise you each one of them to surprise you in different ways. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I get that because there were times, especially with Emma early on, like we talked about, um, who is changing, but also she's got desires for things and it doesn't always like, it's not going to work out maybe that way that she wants. And it was like, okay, we already have a dynamic going between these three. And then you've got Atticus, who seems like the voice of reason, who's just like, all right, guys, we're, we're only going to do this for so long and we can't do this forever. And he feels like the one out of the three that's getting kind of like really sucked into it in a way that he isn't like super stoked about. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, did you, did you guys see what happened? Like the consequences and the other two are kind of like, yeah, so what? Like, <laughs> so right, right. I, I like the thing is, right? is, the, is the Atticus is like, guys, 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 this guy's not going to walk again. And then David being altruistic is like, yeah, but the bullying stopped. And Emma's like, who cares? I just wanted revenge. Yeah. Right. That those are their three feelings. Like David is the altruist, you know, that albeit somewhat disturbed altruist. <laughs> and then Atticus is, is a voice of reason. And Emma is just like, actually, I, I'm not in it for the altruism. I'm just in it for the revenge. I just want to make people hurt for what they've done. Yeah. And so I, I liked that chemistry mix between these people who cared for each other, but were essentially somewhat at odds with each other. Yeah. Well, I think too, uh, it really does a good job of allowing anybody who reads this to kind of gravitate towards one or the other, because like you said before, if you have someone who's going to say things like, well, I don't know why the parents aren't getting involved or whatever, they might fall a little closer in line to like looking at like more of an Atticus kind of you not that he is that way but then there's other people who are like i have been bullied this is really horrible they're gonna like emma a little bit more so and then there's gonna be just like straight rational people who are just gonna be like all right let's just like let's just weigh it out quick and those are the davids so they're gonna be like well you know he might not walk again but he'll never ruin anybody's life again so that's pretty good like (laughs) people are like so that's i think that's a really fun dynamic again in the first issue this isn't something that's like coming five ten issues in like this is like 
right away, which again, I appreciate that's, there's a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, and you guys, and you do it. And again, it's just the first issue. I was like going through it. I'm like, there's a lot here. Like, this is really good. So, uh, and again, it is, it is really dark and gritty though. Like (laughs) there's a, when you look at it, because I'm so used to Yorin and his animation and everything, but his stuff usually, again, you kind of talked about the colors, um, maybe a little more muted compared to what he normally does. Cause he kind of, you know, he'll saturate and he'll make things so bright and beautiful, but he'll try to tell a whole story with one image, but then seeing multiple things kind of go through and again, the feeling of everything, there's a, there's a visceral nature to it that I think that really pairs well with your storytelling and Yorin's art style when you kind of marry the two together. Cause you like get these, these shots where you're like, Oh, oh gosh like (laughs) you're like that worked out because of that combination of the two things which is really cool to see that's right i'm glad that that is coming through because i was really really hopeful that that's how it would land right that people would um that they would see that right that they would see that like that they would sense that mix right that like it's that art and that darkness putting together so it becomes palpable palpable there's there's yeah (laughs) yeah no for sure it totally it totally comes through uh for sure and um you know for a while when we would talk about it on the show you know i think the the things that i kind of gravitate towards like and this is not to um kind of you know dumb it down or just to see because i feel like we're in a world where everybody just kind of compares things to other things but it's kind of like this fun marriage a little bit of like Venom and Chronicle and uh, for, for movie fans and comic fans. And I, I really like that because I feel like after I saw Chronicle, I thought, well, what would happen, you know, if some right. younger ki- kids got these superpowers and maybe a few of them weren't like, let's just fight for the side of good. And one was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like rip some people apart. You know, like that is, right. I think is way more interesting. And we do not get a lot of that. We really don't. And I think that's so cool. No. I agree that that's, there is that people when granted, you know, lots of power and wealth seldom do the right thing and they seldom do the reactive thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed this and I'm excited to see where it goes, but this is just, obviously this is the first issue uh, and we're, t- and you're trying to get it completely funded on Indiegogo and whatnot. So what, where can people go to help support this and also watch this really cool trailer uh, with the voice of Yuri Lowenthal, which a lot of people like myself will recognize as the voice of about a billion uh, characters just from everything. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever played about a video game, everything. Yes. if you've ever seen an anime, he's in it. Uh, but where where can people go to support this thing? Yeah, so the, the place to go get this is to go to Indiegogo and look for the eight comic is what it is under is just the eighth and that's the place to go to get it and essentially here's what we've got for it what's cool is jordan i've been working on it for the last couple of years and i've just been paying him out of my pocket and getting this thing done is we've completed five issues and there's three more it's an eight issue story 180 pages and so everybody who backs it whether you're a digital backer hardcover or beyond you get the first issue digitally the, the month after as soon as the campaign closes you get the first issue and the next month you get second issue and the next issue, the next issue, just like you were collecting it at your comic book shop. And then hopefully by the time, well, not hopefully, we will be done after those first five months with the last three issues. And then we'll be ready to send it to printers so you can jump right into the story world. Um, and so that's a cool thing about this campaign that I think is is unique and is not done. Um, and if you're not a digital reader, that's, that's fine. Uh, that's fine too. So the... The I would say the so the, the three perk level we have is like I described the, the monthly digital issues. Then we have the hardcover special edition, and this is where my heart is. And this is you get the 180 page story, hardcover special edition with a beautiful slipcase. It was created at your coffee table. It's a collector's item, and it's super fun to read. Um, and then you get that as well as the digital issues if you want to peruse a couple of them there, just to whet your appetite. But you got that. And then the the third tier is you get the hardcover, the digital, and you get the badass T-shirt. Uh, this is a T-shirt design that Yorin did, something he and I have worked on for quite a while, and it's this really cool impressionistic, um, maybe heralds a little bit to the Dark Knight um, T-shirt in gray with this uh, silhouette of David and Emma that's intertwined, and super cool thing. And so those are the three tiers 
and products you can get. You know, we've got a cool stretch goals to emboss the book, another mini storyline, and we've got a few other things down the line, which we hope we get to. But we'll just be grateful if we get funded. Um, and, and if we hit the funding goal, everyone will get this beautiful um, A4 embossed UV spotted print that Joran did of David in the middle of his transformation uh, with the armor. So that's the place to find it. Come back it. Um, if you think it's awesome, yeah, like saying, like Jimmy was saying, watch the animation. If you think it's awesome, back it. If maybe now you can back it, please share it on socials and get the word out. Cause you know, people, we don't, and we'd love to, <clears throat> we'd love to see it happen. And, um, and you know, for the record, none of this money goes to me. It all goes to finishing the book and paying Joran to finish it off. You know, it's truly a labor of love um, to see this story come to life. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, you know, for anyone who's hearing all this, uh, I will have it linked to and you'll be able to find it, obviously, like on my Twitter and stuff like that as well. So please. And like you saying, sharing it around or really telling like a friend in person or over the phone, I should say, because of these trying times over the phone or on Zoom. If you're just like hanging out one night, you're on Zoom or on Skype and you're talking to your buddy, just be like, hey, I checked out this thing. It's be really cool. It's actually pretty different and dark and messed up. And I think it's going to be something interesting. So please please go over there and check it out. If you've ever enjoyed any of the things that Yorin has worked on, especially here for our show, go support him. That is a wonderful way to do so. So that's, I love it. It's so cool to see this thing finally come to fruition and you're making the best out of a bad situation right now. Cause you're like, all right, we're like kind of bringing this up, you know, and we're going to, we're going to work let's, back let's on this. Create, thing. Yeah. yeah right? Bake things out of the darkness, man. Uh, that's, that's yeah, all, that's, right. that's what we're about. Um, but yes, this is, I love talking about this. And again, like I, as someone who's gotten to see, privileged get to see the first like issue, I'm like, I don't want to talk about too much, but like, I want to talk about a few things. So like I had to get yes, into a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you for, for talking about that again, everybody. That's the eighth on Indiegogo. Uh, and again, the link will be down there. So please go share it around, check it out. And seriously, the trailer, it'll get you. Cause you're like, listen to it. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is like, it's all coming together. It's all coming together as Kronk likes to say. Uh, well, now we get to move into that segment of the show where we talk about the things we've been killing time with, or as I like to call it, time killers. Yes, that's right. We're moving into it. The games we've been playing, the movies we've been watching, TV shows we've been viewing. Now, Adam, I'm guessing you've had a slight bit more uh, free time on your hands lately. Have you been doing anything like consuming any media in this time? Yes. So I would say the first thing I have is I, um, <clears throat> I, there's this new comic book publisher called TKO Studios, and I bought a few of their comics, and it's cool because they do like oversized comics, and you can get them like you get like this full like you get this box set, oh, and then cool. in it are the issues, like are the are the issues, Dang, so pretty cool, cool, and so it's super cool place. So, but the thing that I've been reading is the Fearsome Doctor Fang, and it's this awesome like Indiana Jones style adventure, um, globe trotting, but it's cool because it deals with like. For me, obviously, it deals with um, the treasures of Kublai Khan. So it's like um, a, a cop from San Francisco, a French thief, and then this cool character, Dr. Fang, dealing with like ancient um, lore of China. Cool. Which is, you know, as for me, obviously, you know, I have a love of China. So it's the perfect comic. So that's the comic I'm reading. <clears throat> the book I'm reading um, is by Joe Abercrombie. Um, it's called Sharp Ends. And it's spectacular i mean he's my favorite uh fantasy novelist now uh i said that eight of his books sharp ends joe abercrombie and then on tv obviously my fiance and i went through tiger king uh because it's just you can't take your eyes off it uh and then we've been watching ozark as well which is the you know quite dark yeah. in, um, <laughs> in comparison um and then on the the gaming front so i um also created a, a, a role-playing game that's coming out later this year. It's also a tabletop game called Asunder. And so I have a, I have a couple groups that I play it with on Zoom. And, as, and so that has been fun. And um, and then also my group with Yuri on D&D. So that's like, those have been my time killers, if you will. That is so, I, I envy I envy those time killers, especially like the D&D stuff. That's, that's so cool. I have to ask you so though, fun. as a big fan of, you know, China and all that they, they make, how, how do you feel about Mulan? Are you excited about Mulan? I, you know, I was very, I've been very excited about Mulan for sure. Um, I, I can't wait. You know what I mean? It's such a, it's such an amazing China tale. You know, 
you know, deals with, you know, I shouldn't say just China, it deals with, you know, the Mongol and Chinese history so much. And it's a really compelling story. Um, I was very saddened initially when Ang Lee didn't direct it because I love Ang Lee so much. Is, um, but I'm very excited. The trailers seem engaging. And hopefully sometime in the future it gets released. I, I don't know what's going to happen. So, but yeah, definitely a film for me. Yeah, I would say I've heard last I heard July, like 24th, maybe we'll see. Uh, I, I can see why <laughs> Disney was like, all right, we made this thing. We put a lot of money into it. We're not just going to put it right under the streaming service. I I get it, Disney. I understand you. It's just unfortunate because like I saw that and like, man, I was so excited. It gave you kind of like the crouching tiger feel a little bit where there's kind of more yeah. of that mysticism put in. Like I was like, yeah. oh, man, this yeah. is going to be. And it looks so legitimate. Like they really, oh man, and like I can't wait. Oh yeah, and like the like the music in the background, but they're not putting the songs in. It's like it's just it gives me goosebumps. Anyway, um, so for me, I've been watching a lot of the anime Black Clover, uh, which I've just been sucked into oh. lately. It's really good. It's your kind of classic shonen, uh, jump kind of anime. Uh, it's it's yeah, great, yeah. great voice acting though. And I find myself watching many, many episodes of it. And they do kind of subvert a few of the classic, um, I should say, like Shonen Jump anime archetypes or stereotypes. Because there's like, you can, with most of those shows, you can be like, all right, main protagonist, his rival, the big bad. Like, you can kind of see where everything's going to be. But this one kind of shifts it up a bit. And I appreciate that. Uh, I've also been trying to catch up on My Hero Academia. I've been waiting for all of the uh, the English dub because I've just been sucked into, again, the voice acting there. I know people, some purists out there, like, watch with the subtitles and stuff. But the English voice acting, um, and specifically Chris Sabat, uh, who plays All Might. My gosh, that guy, like, he just makes me, like... And he's also in Black Clover. He's just... I love him. Just, like, listening to him play these very different roles. I'm like, uh, it's so good. So uh, I've been I've been, I've been <laughs> indulging in some anime lately because I was like, I'm going to do, like, the two-week trial on Funimation. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to do, like, a two-month. I'm just going to get into it for a while because we're kind of stuck. So I'm like, all right, watch know, it. Right? we're watching a lot of that. Um, and I've uh, been watching a bunch of Disney stuff for an upcoming video. So I've been going through a bunch of uh, the old Disney kind of classic animated films, which uh, classic is a wow. term that most people will kind of like. You'll be like, is, you know, Snow White classic is Aladdin classic. Like, I, I'll just say all of the Disney animated films. Uh, so I've been kind of going back through there. And man, some of that animation is just uh, I get we moved to CG and I understand where the, the love from that comes and there's an efficiency to it. But there's something about those old animated movies yeah. that it's just still so striking. And there's so much like passion and feeling in every frame. Like you look at it, and you're like, yes. wow, like something like somebody took it with their hand and they're like, mm -mm. and then they just moved it just a little bit. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, like it's, it's so good. It's there, so there, good. There's a love. There's something special, right? About that. It's why I like anime too. Like I CG anime. I just dodge. Oh, like me a too. I just, I just dodge like a bullet. I'm like, Oh, you did it in CG, bro. I, I already got that. I, I got that other places. Like I'm coming for you to go back to that. I, I, Adam, thank you. Cause there's been like a few times where people are like, you gotta watch this thing. And then I start it in the first like minute. It's that all the CG stuff. I'm like, what? No, please. No, no like I, 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 I don't, it's fine. I'll watch Pixar for that, but I've come for this for something else. Yeah, yeah. Which I've heard like, for instance, like the dragon prince is super duper good. it's like the, from the guys who made the last airbender and everything. But it's the CG yeah. stuff, and it's like I was like, guys, guys, you made the, like at, like the last Airbender, like the closest thing to Western anime we've got. And I was like, and then you made like Book of Korra and all that stuff, or Legend of Korra, and now it's like, don't do this, like, <laughs> like please just bring it, bring it back. I know it's harder. I know, I know it's harder. You know. It's like, uh, but, are you watching Beast Stars? I oh, I looked, I saw Netflix? that pop up. I I have not yet. Is it good? It's cool. It's very cool. And uh, I I also watched another one. I love Devil Man. Yeah, um, Crybaby. I love, yeah, I loved that as well. So yeah, I'm I'm with you too. I, I I need to see it in 2D to really, at least for me, that's what that art form is, right? Like that's what that experience is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, there's just and there's something yeah. too, when um, there's just so much feeling, and uh, I, I I love it. I love I just love anime, and it just there's something about it that still you know. You know, it gets the goosebumps, raises the hair when you just get that moment where it like it all kind of like uh, it all just clicks and you look sometimes, um, especially in anime, what's fun too, unlike CG, is that you'll get like it seems like a different group in or for a fight scene, something will change. So the art looks kind of different and you start to see these yeah. characters in like an almost kind of mythical state. And you're like, wait, what am I? It's like a hyper hyper reality, uh, which I really yeah. enjoy. So it's like 
man. But yeah, I'm a big sucker for anime. Uh, but that's just that's just who I am, man. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> never enough. I'm, never enough. Never enough. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. let's move into the last segment of the show, my favorite segment, uh, which is community feedback and questions. This one comes in from Missile Mage, and it's just for you, uh, Adam. He asks us on Discord, he says, what do you personally find the hardest part of working on a comic? Do you find it rewarding the whole way through? Or is it only when the work is completed you can have you can enjoy having made it? Here's what I would say to that is that musicians who just like whose favorite part is the concert don't sell albums. Uh, the directors whose favorite part is sitting in the theater watching it with the audience and getting accolades don't direct movies. Um, <clears throat> And the same is true comic books. Um, you need to love the process more than the outcome because you spend the bulk of your time in the process and very little time with the outcome. And so I would say for myself, it's just as exciting to write it, to get the roughs back from Yorin and give notes and make, you know, make changes as it is to see the finished. They're all different feelings. But I think that, but I think that at least hopefully, the intent is is that you love that part as much as the other part. You love, you know, getting the roughs back as much as you love an audience member connecting with it. They're all different things, um, but I think that that's for me at least. Those are all satisfying. I think it's the same way in my TV work. It's so satisfying on set, and it's so magical when you see an audience light up about it. Uh, but you don't get to see the audience light up if you don't love the grueling hours. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. And what was the hardest part, especially for this one for you? Was it the concept? Was it just like kind of getting... So I know for me sometimes it's just like just starting. You're just like, I got to like launch into it. Yeah. I think, you know, since you said to me, because I think the, the hardest part about it, I think initially... Um, um, if you can imagine this, I, I wrote the eighth once, had a different artist do it besides Jordan. Did the first issue, some things came up in their life and they were unable to finish. And so I threw it all away and started over with Jordan to complete it, which the other artist was wonderful and did great work. But I think Jordan's work was the best for it, for this series. And I love Jordan so much. He's such a great partner. I, I, I couldn't have a better. Um, so I'm grateful for it. But so I think, you know, was issue one was just getting what this looks like and feels like on paper because it took me two tries. Yeah. I built the whole comic book first <laughs> with a whole artist did all 30 pages, you know, 30 pages, you know, Joe and I added a couple to it to make it 32, but um, <clears throat> that, that was the hardest part. Yeah. Oh, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And I can understand uh, on, on something like this, which is already kind of a Herculean task because like it's a passion project that you're putting time into that isn't like it's not like some studios like hey here's the the time and the money you need to do this thing it's like no i'm doing this kind of like for myself and for something special and then to have that like yeah. thing be like kind of swept out from underneath you and you're like <sighs> like <laughs> just like it really right. i bet it was like a stab you're just like okay like is this something that's really going to get done but that's good because i think failure what it well if you even call it that with this it just tests your metal you know and you wanted to make this thing and now you've made it and now it's going to be better than what it was gonna be, which is so cool. Failure is just failure is just another rewrite. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's not no. Failure is not no. That's what I've learned too. It's not no. It just means that like, all right, we just said it gets you closer to yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Uh, that's so cool, man. Oh, that's the, I'm sorry though. That is that's kind of heartbreaking though. Because I'm sure there was a time where you're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> it's like, well, this isn't gonna yeah. happen now. So did it change by the way? Was it gonna be this? You said you added a few more. Uh, pages and I stuff added a couple it. more pages to just enhance the, the story a little bit, but it's very similar page one to what the original artist did and what uh, Yoren did as far as page layout, etc. There's a lot of similarities because okay. uh, it was just easiest for page one and then obviously for issue one because it had been so many drafts and reworking it with the other artist. It really refined the story. And so Jordan just added more to it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, the two pages just enhanced uh, some bits. It's like where they where it shows them finding the actual heart. Um, that would that page didn't exist in there um, initially. Um, and then we added another um, page 
that um, this developed Emma and David's relationship more. It just needed a little bit more uh, sort of breathing, I would say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's pacing. Just like, you know, with like TV and movies and stuff, like you look at things and sometimes things are moving too fast uh, and you look at it and you're like, all right, this is kind of like breakneck speed. Let's give it a little bit of time to, you know, um, you know, I don't cultivate something even more so. Well, that's yeah. cool. That's great. So there, see, look, there's already a boon to it. <laughs> there's even more. So yeah. guys, look at that. You're getting even more than what you were uh, originally looking forward to. And that's so cool. Like I, I just love hearing about stuff like that. Cause you hear that with some um, really cool projects sometimes where you hear about like kind of the, the things that to happen in the background. Cause like for us, you know, not hearing about things and then just having it come out, you're like, well, this must've been just like, just like the easiest thing. And there's like a beautiful concept here and like the art and everything. But you're like, no man, there's, there's a history to it. Uh, just like you look at Star Wars, Star Wars had a, a bunch of problems and they still uh, they still managed to overcome all that. And that's like one of the biggest things in the world. So it just shows you that, you know, problems in the creative process do pop up and uh, usually things become better for it. Or at least that's the way I look at it. <laughs> that's what I try to tell myself when something doesn't go right in my very, very, very minute version of anything that anybody makes. I'm like, oh, this screwed up. <laughs> Dang it. I have to like remake this thing. Ah, um, But it's like, it's OK it's all right. I'm passionate yeah. about it. I love it. And like you said, you got to love the grueling hours. You got to, because if you don't, yeah. no one else is going to love the, the final product. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, thank you. That's a great question. Uh, and if anybody else listening to this ever has a question for the show, a topic or whatever else, all you have to do, you can tweet at me. I'm at JimmyGood013 or at GoCritical. Just tweet the hashtag CriticalPodcast. Uh, hit me up sometime. But if you want to talk to Adam, if you want to go on Twitter and talk to him, where can they find you? Oh, so they can find me on Twitter at Failed Superhero. Um, they can also find me at Failed Superheroes Club on Facebook. And they can also find me on Instagram at Failed Superheroes Club as well. That's great. That's uh, okay. So fail, why Failed Superhero, by the way? I wanted to ask you that. Because I think that was what happened, you know, once I realized, you know, after my <laughs> prayers were not leading to me becoming a mutant. Yeah. You know, that I was the, that I had formed a club of failed superheroes, those who it didn't work for. Yeah, well, that's okay because now you're doing something. You're making superheroes in a different way, or maybe, maybe they weren't. I guess maybe in the eighth, I don't know if you call them superheroes, but they're they're heroes for something. So, <laughs> um, that's so cool, though. Uh, I, I, that's such an interesting handle. Mine was just my name with like my favorite numbers. So that's, you know, you've got me beaten there. I was like looking at those like failed superheroes. Like I gotta ask him about this because it's such an interesting handle. I was like, okay, uh, but yeah. Well, again. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, and for anybody, like I said, again, if you want to go support Adam and Yorin, go check out that link at Indiegogo, the 8th. Uh, please go and just watch it. Enjoy the trailer and everything. It's going to be something that you really, for me, I've I consumed a lot of this type of media. I haven't seen anything quite like this. So please go check it out. Uh, and again, Adam, I appreciate you being on, man. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's been so fun. Likewise. Yeah, well, I oh, hope. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I hope um, maybe we can have you back on again someday and talk more about like the launch and stuff because I, I really want to support this thing because obviously it's something I'm passionate about. Yorin has been a friend for a long time and uh, it's been so cool. So thank you. And um, yeah, well, everybody, thank you for listening in. We appreciate it. If you want to support us, you know how to do that. Uh, and until next time, just remember to adapt and overcome. Thank you. Thank you.